This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's considered the deadliest day on record when it comes to storms in Kansas City. As we approach the spring storm season, myself and Diane Houston take a look back at the tornado that rolled through Kansas City and did some massive damage. Well, I, I guess at this time of year, it's the spring storm season, and that's what we're talking about today, Diane, is the history of not one of, but the deadliest storm that's ever ripped through Kansas City, starting on the Kansas side and going all the way through Martin City way back in 1957. And, and we talk about devastating storms a lot, but mm-hmm. this one wiped out basically all of South Kansas City, huh? It was awful. I mean, I honestly, this was one of those stories when I decided to write about it. I was actually asked to write about it. Um, was one of the hardest things I've ever written because so many people are still alive that remember it. And if they didn't actually experience it, they went, you know, it was kind of a sightseeing adventure for a lot of Kansas Cityans too. Really? Because, yeah, because afterwards, even though the National Guard was brought in, people wanted to see, you know, the news didn't really cover things like they cover it now. They right. wanted to see how devastating it was. I mean, my mom, my dad, both, you know, as kids can remember their parents taking them in the car and, and going to see if it was really as bad as they, it was, and it was awful. And it's known today as the Ruskin Heights tornado because most of the victims um, really were uh, taken in the Ruskin Heights area in South Kansas City. Yeah, you know, and, and it's really, we're talking about May 20th, 1957. So we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about some time ago, but still kind of recent when it comes to history. Really? Writing yeah. about stuff about when Kansas City was founded, and now here you go, 1957, that's not long ago. But you're talking Ottawa, Spring Hill, Martin City, and as you mentioned, Ruskin Heights as well, where it just kind of, you know, went went through and, and really destroyed everything in its way. And basically, Martin City was left in shambles. And, and, you know, you look at Martin City today, and that's not what it looked like pre-May 20th, 19th. No, no, it didn't. It really, and I think that it's really important to remind people um, to think, why, why would it have destroyed? I mean, it would, it would have destroyed things no matter where it would have gone. But it was really the fact there was no warning system. I mean... People just went about their business, and we all know that we like to pretend we're meteorologists in a storm, and we go outside and go, you know, the sky looks a little weird, you know, I, right. I, smell, I smell rain, you know, and that's how people used to do it. I mean, it used to be kind of a, like a second hobby. People would go outside and go, you know, the sky looks a little green today, and that was kind of what people that I talked to that lived through this remember is that the sky just looks strange all day long. And the wind was just a little bit off and everything was a little off. And at this time, we didn't have the National Weather Service. We had the Weather Bureau that was founded in 1950. So we really, you know, people go, how bad was the storm? 
Um, if you were to, you know, because we use an EF scale now, but this was back in the, you know, F scale days, the Fujita scale days. So it was an F5 tornado. I mean, this thing was no joke. It was about a half a mile wide by the time it, it crossed into Martin City. Um, and it, it was, you know, nobody had any warning system. So you had television at the time. You had three major networks. This is happening at the smack dab in the middle of the dinner hour, which Ooh, is wow. even worse. Yes, it started, it formed at 6.15 p.m., as you said, in Ottawa. And it really started busting through. You know, if you think about it, by the time it reaches the Ruskin Heights area, it's been an hour. It, it, today, we would have like the, you know, the helicopter following the storm and we would know about it, but that's just not how it was in 1957. There was absolutely zero warning system. People were watching, you know, the 60, you know, uh, I Love Lucy was on TV. They weren't interrupting to tell what the, you know, the weather was like at the time. It was just a completely different era. And that's what made this storm so devastating. Well, I think what also makes it so devastating too is the way that kind of people lived back then. I mean, th uh -huh. there were no basements. There was really nowhere to hide. I mean, it was kind of a new era of homes and whatnot, and people are running around going, where do I go? What do I do? And, like, there, there was no safety net for a lot of people. And that's exactly true because it, it, Ruskin Heights, part of the reason it was um, one of the most devastated areas, and even, even Martin City, to be fair, because you had storm shelters possibly. You know, you could look at that. Um, but the other problem was that a lot of these families that lived in even farm families out in Ottawa and just uh, south of Olathe and into Spring Hill and, and obviously Martin City, these were established families that had lived in the area, a lot of them for a very long time. So they didn't have mortgages. So they didn't have, they didn't have insurance, which oh. is another brutal, yeah, brutal. And the other part is that you had the, after the baby boomer era in 1957, you know, everybody's got 2.5 kids. They moved to Ruskin Heights because it's the place to go because it's track housing. It's they're putting up houses faster than, you know, and they're selling them. And so they're on a lot of them are on slabs. And that's what caused another part of the devastation was there was no place to go. Um, I read lots of stories about uh, the church in Martin City, which was uh, built in 1890. Um, it's now the site of the Martin event space. Um, it was the it was rebuilt after the 1957 tornado. They tore the church door down because it had already been damaged by fire a year before. But people like drove, they, they, they're like, oh my God, there's a tornado. And people's instincts, if you can believe this, was to get in their car. And some people drove literally into the storm. And it was just to get to a basement. So a lot of people drove into uh, Martin City to uh, watch the storm from the basement and they could see everything unfolding and it was devastating. I mean, the stories of these kids that watched this happen um, honestly really affected me. It was, it was just incredible. Well, I want to hear some of those stories too, because you, you, you said kids. I mean, you're talking about mm -hmm. kids. You probably lost parents and loved ones and families, yeah. you know, throughout this storm. And as we're going through this, you know, terrible time now in our country's yeah. history, I think we're doing a pretty good job here in Kansas City of maintaining things and everybody's kind of following the rules. But back then when a natural disaster like that just kind of props up and all of a sudden 10 minutes earlier you had a dad and now you don't anymore. I mean, it had to be devastating for you to hear some of these stories. It, it was it was one of the hardest things I've ever done because I, I just write, as you said earlier, I write about things that usually are old that I can't really talk to anybody who's still alive. And this is just not the case. This was something where I had to pick up the phone and talk to people and got stories and people were more than willing to share. There's an author called, uh, her name is uh, Carolyn Glenn Brewer. She's written a couple books on the Ruskin Heights tornado. 
Um, and she kind of helped me guide guided me into uh, finding some people who were willing to talk to me. One of the, you know, one of the things that I realized quickly, and it, because it had, the, it was branded with the name Ruskin Heights, right? Um, I really was under the impression that everyone died in Ruskin. I mean, I don't mean like all, I, what I mean by that is all the victims were from Ruskin. That's just not the case. The first victims were killed um, about 630 um, at night. They sat down to dinner at the dinner table and they were in their 80s. And I mean, the tornado just tore through and they were killed immediately. Um, two young girls were killed um, in out south of Olathe on the farm. Um, the first, the husband was killed inside the house and then wife and two girls were found a quarter mile away from their home in a field. Hmm. Uh, I mean, just awful. But really well, the story that stuck to me the most was listening to Boy Scouts. So I have a 14 year old Boy Scout named Jay Roberts, who is kind of a historian of, of Martin City. He grew up in Martin City and he was a Boy Scout and he was attending his kid, uh, his, his sister's kindergarten graduation. Sounds so like everybody loves graduations, right? Mom? Sure, I mean, they're yeah. just so fun. And he was 14. He's like, this sucks. <laughs> he didn't want to go to the graduation. Right. And they had just built Martin city, the, the, the new, the new school in Martin city. Um, and he, he went to the, to the graduation. Honestly, a, a lot of these people in Martin city hadn't been at those grad at that graduation. They would have died because I mean, just on one street, eight of 12 homes was leveled to the ground. Wow. So listening to him tell the story of him being inside the, you know, inside the, uh, the school and the superintendent screaming and the teachers and, and the, just the suction and the power of this tornado. Of course, a lot of people talk about how it sounds like a, you know, a chugging engine. Um, but really it was the aftermath because there were victims I talked to people that lived that saw like the butcher Lowell Atkinson, who, who was a butcher and, and you got, you know, where, uh, Jack Sack is today, right? Sure. In Martin City. Um, it would be kind of where Jack Sack is today. The, really, the main business area of Martin City at the time was really on homes. Um, there was a lot of businesses on homes. And Lowell Atkinson ran the Martin City Market. Of course he did, you know. And, right. and he was 43 years old. And, and somebody's like, there's a tornado coming. You got to, you know, come over here. And the people were yelling from the Methodist Church across the street, like, come over and get, you know, come with us. Oh, I'm fine. Um, he was not fine. Uh, Jay Roberts, who was in the Martin City School afterwards, the Boy Scouts. Can you believe this? They they took Boy Scouts, and Boy Scouts went out and did um, went through the wreckage to try to find living or dead people. Mm -hmm. And they discovered Lowell Atkinson. He, um, I believe, that the refrigerator unit fell on top of him, and he was killed. Um, so I talked to the man. This is what's so interesting: is I talked to Jay, who who found him, and I talked to his daughter who lived in Ruskin and, you know, found out obviously after the tornado that she lost her father. I think she was seven when her dad passed away. I mean, it was just a devastating, uh, I mean, and, and then there's crazy stories. You know, you hear these stories about uh, the survival and like there was an old guy who was, uh, you know, kind of bedridden and he was, uh, they'd set up a cot in his uh, living room because he couldn't, you know, go upstairs to his bedroom and the tornado is barreling through. And this would have happened just behind where Jack Sack is today. Is the tornado's tearing through his wife jump, like throws herself on top of him to try to save him. And she's just like thrown out the door. Everything, including all the appliances are just destroyed in the house. Like it's just, it's, there's nothing left. And he was still on the cot safe and sound. Like tornadoes are just incredible. I mean, unbelievable the power that they have. When we started out, you said you were asked to write about this. Why, why would somebody want this now all of a sudden 
to be brought back up. I mean, it's not like it's the 100th anniversary or the 50th anniversary or anything like that. What was the impetus for somebody saying, hey, we want you to research this and, and, and write about this story? I mean, it's fascinating. Don't get me wrong, but usually it's not something kind of that depressing. you would, Yeah, but, <laughs> but, you know, but if it was it's a, a major anniversary or something right. like that, I could see, you know, why. Well, actually, I was asked, um, I had started writing for the Martin City Telegraph. I, of course, wrote my blog. Um, I started writing for the Martin City Telegraph about almost three and a half years ago. And the tornado's 60th anniversary was May 20th of 2017. Mm -hmm. And so my editor said, you know, hey, you know, people are always interested in tornadoes. You should write about the anniversary of the tornado. And, and what was really shocking to me wasn't just, so it was the 60th anniversary. And there was a big to-do on the 50th anniversary, obviously. Um, what really surprised me is how many people I couldn't talk to because they, I couldn't make time for everybody. Everyone had wanted to talk about it. Everyone has a memory. If you lived in Kansas City and you have a, an inkling of a memory, everyone remembers what they were doing on 19, in May 20th, 1957. Even if you watched it from downtown Kansas City, everyone goes, I remember that day. It was such a huge day in not just weather history because it is, it's a national weather history because of, we wouldn't have the warning, well, we would have the warning systems we have today. But because of this tornado, it was the impetus of the warning systems of, that we have today um, was because of this tornado. So I think it just so greatly affected so many people in Kansas City. They're mm -hmm. just, everyone wants to talk about it, especially because it's your childhood. Because, you know, the, the people sure. we're talking about are our parents' age, you know, and, um, and they're, they're more than willing to talk about uh, the devastation. And, and you could still see the effects of that tornado today. You can still see that in Martin City? You can, if you, if you pay attention, you can see it. And I think Okay, I've well, tell me how, because I think that's interesting, because I think now, you know, people are listening, maybe they go down to Martin City for a drive and say, oh, yeah, there it is. You can absolutely yeah. tell, you know. Well, maybe one of the reasons. Maybe not, you don't know, but when somebody points it out to you, you go, oh, yeah, look at that. Well, it, the reason that you can kind of see where it was, because you, you go down to what we would call the old main street of, of Martin City, which is 135th Street. But right. when you're driving down and you're heading east and you would, you know, you cross railroad tracks and then you end up at Holmes. If you look, if you've ever noticed, and you've got Matt Moore, who's done an incredible job with Martin City Brewery and all that business is on the left-hand side of the street, which would be on the uh, north side of the street. Have you ever noticed there was nothing on the south side of the street? Well, I mean, I noticed Jess and Jim's is over there. Well, right? Jess and Jim's is there, but yeah, I'm talking Sutherland's directly, over there. Sutherland's, which actually, yes, and it, it, it was actually a lumber yard back, which was a whole different reason of why it was devastating. Uh -huh. um, it was a lumber yard back. It, it's always been a lumber yard for the most, most part. So, you know, Sutherland's being there is kind of not too much of a surprise. But when you're driving down the street, there was a gas station on the left-hand side, which now is a, um, it, it, most people would remember it was K&K &K Motor Service. It was a mobile gas station. Um, but there were, there were houses, and I mean like homes, not businesses, on the right-hand side of the street. And when you drive down Martin City now, you, you, you see the old buildings on the left side, and there's really nothing on the right side for a great deal of time until you get to Jess and Jim's. That's because it was all destroyed in the tornado. And they never rebuilt. They never really rebuilt. Now, there were some homes that were torn down later, I want to be clear, that I have pictures of and things. So it's not like, but the, the other part is, if you look at um, Jess and Jim's, where you've got the big old cow on top of the building, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the backside of Jess and Jim's, it's not a perfect square. It's because the tornado took off the back half of it. So if you look at the top, it's, it's etched. It's kind of got like a, like a 
you know, indention in the, in the top. And that's not because it was built that way originally. And it wasn't Jess and Jim's at the time. Jess and Jim's was actually where uh, Jack Sack is today. But it was, that building was, was chopped off a little bit at the top because of the power of the tornado. The fact that it missed, I mean, it missed Martin City partially. You know, it didn't hit it directly on. I mean, it would be just, there would be no Martin City had it, you know. But um, it did cross over and then was heading in its pattern, which was going um, northeast. Uh, its its pattern was on the opposite side of the street of where you would have Martin City Brewery and things. But you can tell if you look at that building now, when you drive by, don't look at the cow, look at the backside of the building because it, it was uh, it was chopped off because of the tornado. So what was in that building at the time? And I'm, I'm curious as to why Jess and Jim's kind of moved into a building that was partially destroyed by a tornado. <laughs> oh, they, you know, well, uh, actually, one, there were two different businesses. One, it used to be an, a, a skating rink or a pool hall on the top floor, swear to oh. God. Yeah. And now Ice skating or roller skating? Roller skating, roller skating. Uh. But there used to be parties on the top floor. And then it was a, there were several different like general stores and, and stores like that. And I believe that's what I, was on the main floor. Across the street from where Jess and Jim's is and just over was the, the gas station, which originally was the blacksmith shop of Martin City, which if you think about it, blacksmiths kind of evolved into auto mechanics, you know? So it's no surprise that that business that was once a blacksmith shop developed into a gas station, which developed into, you know, a, some people tinkering. And that gas station was leveled to the ground and the guy that owned it and, his, and, and one other held on to the wheels of a tractor and the whole building just blew up and uh, like they literally, the only thing left was like just the shell of the building and the two guys just holding onto a tractor wheel. Like they barely survived. So holding onto the tractor wheel, I, I, I'm assuming, and I could be wrong about that, giving them extra weight to hold them to the yep. ground. So the tornado, Absolute. really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I talked to, I talked to uh, the family and got photos. That was the other thing is that, for as the, there's several photos and, and different, you know, memorabilia of the Ruskin Heights tornado that existed. But what's so cool about what I, what I, why I love what I do is because so many people think, think about it. If this was such a huge event, you know, people took pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And so there were so many people that lived through this tornado that took pictures of their own homes and what they saw afterward that I got to publish for the first time, all these photos that had never been seen before of, you know, just, you know, the, the 10 year old kid who grabs the family, you know, uh, camera and starts taking pictures of his neighborhood. I mean, there was a, there's an old house on Grandview or in uh, Martin city that I wrote about at one point. It was built in 1904. It was actually built by the blacksmith that I was just talking about. Uh, And this home, like, they've always gardened and all of this. And, and I, another victim or another person who survived the tornado talked about how for years, do you just like put your shovel in the ground and they just pull up iron because the power of that tornado just drove stuff into the ground. So for years, people would just pull big pieces of iron and metal from the ground that just were left over from the Ruskin Heights tornado. Like this thing was no joke. 200 mile an hour winds ripped up concrete destroyed everything in its path but then you know it would destroy four houses and then one house would be just left alone of course and you know talking to victims that people just jumped in there they literally tried to out chase the tornado tried to run away from it because they didn't have basements i mean it's it's just the power of tornadoes is just unbelievable to me i don't know if you've ever been in the middle of one 
But I mean, there, there's something, there's something about them that you just never forget, especially if you literally had the national guard have to move in and, and your town is devastated because of it. I mean, 44 people lost their lives um, in the Ruskin Heights tornado. So I actually, I actually had her outrun a tornado with Jen one time in, really? in Oklahoma. Yeah. We were driving back from Dallas after her friend got married and we're like, Oh, let's just drive back instead of flying. We, you know, we'll take a nice day for ourselves. And, you know, we got to Oklahoma, and, and right before you got to the Kansas border, you know, where Route 60 turns to the right to the east and kind of goes through the uh, Native American reservations out okay. there, Pawhuska, you know, that, that kind of area, there's a tornado up north, you know, and then all of a sudden there's one out south. And so we're in the middle. I'm like, the only thing we got to do is go east. And we <laughs> drove east as as fast as we could through the Native American reservation and up into Kansas. And, and, and we were able to eventually outrun that thing and it kind of like finally petered out. But I know how that was. I, I was scared shitless, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And it was one of the more terrifying events of our lives. And I mean, I, I think, you know, right when you cross the Oklahoma border, there is kind of where we were to give you a rough estimate. By the mm-hmm. time we reached like north of Independence, Kansas, and we were on like, 75 maybe or 59 headed towards Lawrence that way. That was the first time we actually breathed. And that was a long ride. I mean, that yeah. long ride in nice weather, let alone in weather that, you know, you're trying to outrun a tornado the entire time. So I could only imagine back then driving like an Edsel and trying to get out of the way of the tornado <laughs> yeah. in the fifties, what that must've been like. There's no way you could have outrun that thing. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I went through a similar situation that you were talking about in Oklahoma myself. What's a, you know, poor Oklahoma man, they, they got it bad down there. But, you know, I mean, when you talk about the power of a tornado, it's, it's, it's really no joke, as you said, and, and you're and on a scale. That's why when people go, how devastating was this tornado? Where does it rank? Everybody wants me to rank it. I'm like, well, you know, it's a different scale at the time. You know, we didn't have the EF scale until I think the 2000 and something. Um, and so it's really hard to rank it. You just know that it was over 200 mile per hour winds. There were cars that were twisted around light poles. Um, this, the real iconic photo from this, uh, tornado was the gym at Ruskin high school. Uh, the letters, only letters that were left spelled ruin, just R U I N everything else was ripped off. I mean, and it, and that, that picture was in unbelievable photo that really says it all. But to, like you said, you get these kids that remember their dads, like, and this is at the height of dinner hour. This is going through, there's kindergarten graduations. People are playing, you know, they have baseball practice. Everybody's doing something, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like after dinner hour. And now you have the graduation at seven o'clock. Well, the tornado literally tore through Martin city. I think it's seven fifteen. Um, you are seven, seven thirty. Um, you have, and you have a warning of something sounds funny. I mean, unless somebody has their eye to the sky, which of course every, you know, every dad or a lot of dads thought they were, you know, the weather reporters at the time. Yeah. They're standing outside, you know, probably drinking a a beer and watching the sky and like looking a little funny. And I did hear stories of people's dads who did that. They remember like them doing that. And then it's like, get in the car. We're going to try to outdrive this. I don't know how that happened. I mean, I, like I said, the stories that I heard, you know, uh, one of the last victims that, that passed away. And I, and actually the other thing that I found interesting is that it was hard for me to find a victim list. And for something that's, you know, happened, which I would consider somewhat current 1957, I figured there'd be a pretty 
legit list of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a memorial at uh, right by Ruskin High School that is the Ruskin Heights tornado. And there's a list of people on there. But I found when I started doing my research, because I try to be as thorough as possible, I'm like, the names are spelled wrong on it. The ages are spelled wrong on it. I mean, are, are, are incorrect. So I actually went through and I pulled every single death certificate of every single person that passed away from the tornado. I looked at their headstones. I compared because make sure the spelling was correct and got their ages written down. And I listed them in order from the first person killed to the last, which oh was my. really, which was really tough. Um, I mean, ages range from the eighties to four months old. And, you know, to do that was tough, but I felt like I, I, I started to become, I kind of became married to the story in a way, you know, like I, I, I felt like I, it was my job to try to, to tell it the right way. So doing that and then f- figuring out like, because the death certificates, you, you read what, you know, cause of death. Sometimes it says just tornado, but sometimes it says like metal to head and I oh. mean, just awful. So, uh, but one of the last victims uh, was, I remember you were talking about where Sutherland's was, right? Yeah. I was a lumber yard at the time. Badger Lumber Company was there. And so you can imagine a lumber yard and then wind. Mm-mm. That's not a good combination. And so uh, a mother and a daughter tried to, to run into a ditch because there was no place else to go. They were probably crossing the street. And this is right across from the Martin City, uh, the Methodist Church, kind of where Jack's Tech is. And they're, uh, they're trying to cross the street. And a little girl was watching from the um, basement of the uh, Methodist Church and had windows. Um, and she was watching this happen as one of the girl, the, the woman, the 20-something-year-old daughter, had a piece of lumber just go straight through her. Just, just like, you know, killed her instantly. Oh. And then the mom was thrown about a hundred yards down the road and found, and she was basically in the hospital and died in August. So she tried, you know, she was the last victim was the, the last person who survived, you know, from the survival was this woman in Martin city. And I really was interesting for me to learn that all these victims, you know, it started taking lives in Kansas. It's not like it just happened in Ruskin. It just got the name Ruskin Heights because Really, if you look at the pictures, the damage is really easy to see in, of course, Ruskin. It lifted around Knobtown and Raytown area. Um, that's where the tornado lifted and just disappeared. And then the, you know, the clouds went away and a little bit of sunlight at the end of the day. And then, you know, and then there was rescue missions all across the city trying to recover who they could. I mean, it was awful. And and really, it's the worst tornado we've ever seen in Kansas City and the worst Mm -hmm. in Missouri up until 2011 when the Joplin tornado happened. Yeah, it was the worst tornado in in Missouri history. There's some other ones I've written about, uh, one that went through downtown Kansas City. We could talk about that another time. Not that devastating, but uh, well, devastating because it went through downtown Kansas City. What year was that? uh, uh, 1886. It went through downtown Kansas City. Um, there's some other tornadoes that, you know, but there's usually, you know, if you've ever looked at like what tornadoes are the worst, there's usually a, an outbreak of tornadoes. Have you ever seen that where they're like, there were three really bad days in a row where there were 114 tornadoes or whatever it is. So you see a lot of those outbreaks, um, that happen. Um, Joplin tornado was May 22nd and it did take over as the most devastating tornado in Missouri history. Um, but before that, because 158 people died, before that, it was the Ruskin Heights tornado. And like you said, this was the most devastating tornado to go through Kansas City. And there's a lot of similarities. The deadliest tornadoes in Kansas City history in general all have been in May. 
too. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a rough month for tornadoes, and we're in the middle of that right now, which, yeah. you know, w- when something bad happens, you're like, all right, what, what good can we take from this? Like we're looking at right now, make the best out of the situation that you're in. But I also think, you know, from this tornado, it probably helped us get some kind of, you know, warning systems in place that we never had before. Maybe without this, we we have more deadly tornadoes and not because more tornadoes are forming, but more people aren't getting out of the way of what's going on. Well, and that's just it. I think we get a lot of times uh, victims got in the way of themselves because it's always we always know there's those people, even if that tornado siren goes off when they go, they go outside first, like maybe it's maybe it's not right or i want to see you know i mean we're always curious but yeah the the we had nuclear of course you know of course the red scare era and and um and the fact that the cuban missile crisis later you've got in the 1950s the real the real fear wasn't weather the real fear was nuclear attack mm-hmm. i mean so they had started installing in larger cities and not out in ruskin by the way not in martin city but like kansas city they had start installing uh, what they called, you know, uh, nuclear warning signs or uh, sirens. Yeah. And those were already established in cities. And it was literally for warning of a nuclear attack. And after this tornado, it was like, we need to warn people before. Like there has to, we have to warn people. And it was the Ruskin Heights tornado. This is not a joke. It was the tornado in Kansas City that actually established the warning system we know today through the National Weather Service, which was the Weather Bureau at the time. Um, And so they used those nuclear uh, sirens that had already been installed to go ahead and use as the warning system. They already had them. And then they just started building them out to, you know, suburbs and and eventually, obviously, as far as they could. But that all started because of the tornado in May 20th, 1957. I hope you were able to take away a lot from that storm that rolled through South Kansas City. Next time you're driving through Martin City, take a look around and see some of the buildings that used to be there and some that are still standing and how they changed from that massive storm. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.